Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. If instead Putin doubles down, then so shall we, further ratcheting up economic pressure and supporting Ukraine with finance. Sanctions have to be as powerful as they can possibly be. We will be pushing the government to go further and faster. We could have a massive miscalculation and we will then be in a full-scale war across the globe. You're listening to Bloomberg Westminster, your daily guide to British politics. I'm Ewan Potts. And good afternoon. I'm Caroline Hepke. On today's programme, we're speaking to the Labour MP Andy MacDonald. And as Boris Johnson appears to rule out a windfall tax on energy companies, we'll analyse the issue. Plus, the latest on abortion rights in the United States. We speak to Bloomberg opinion columnist Therese Raphael. So parties are making their final pitches to voters ahead of local elections across the UK. On Thursday, voters will elect councillors to run their services in Wales, Scotland and in many parts of England. Northern Ireland is choosing who to send to the Assembly at Stormont. Well, those elections in Northern Ireland could mark a major shift in the region's sensitive political balance. Opinion polls show Sinn Féin, whose ultimate goal is to unite the region with the Republic of Ireland, on course to become the biggest party. The results could also undermine Boris Johnson's bid to redraw the terms of the UK's split from the European Union. Well, the Labour leader will be hoping that more press coverage of Beergate doesn't undermine his party's election efforts. So Keir Starmer says the police have not contacted him again about accusations that he broke lockdown rules by drinking beer in an MP's office. Starmer was pictured with the bottle through a window in Durham in April of last year, but was cleared by the local force of breaking any laws. Tory MPs are calling for the event to be reinvestigated. Okay, so those are a few of the political headlines. Let's uh, talk in more depth with Andy MacDonald, Labour MP for Middlesbrough. Andy, welcome back to Bloomberg Westminster. Great to have you on. So lots of press coverage then. It's even got a moniker, Beergate, Keir Starmer drinking that beer with colleagues. While coronavirus restrictions were in place last year, isn't it right that Durham Police look again then at the evidence just as the Met Police did when it came to Boris Johnson? Well, I think you're right to highlight that um, two police forces, having received complaints about behaviour, investigated the the Prime Minister in respect of one set of allegations and the Leader of the Opposition in respect of another. In respect of Boris Johnson, who concluded that he had broken the law that he he made and imposed a fixed uh, penalty notice. In the case of the Leader of the Opposition, Durham Police investigated that matter and concluded that he had not broken the law and that no further action was necessary. So the two cases are, are stark in their, in, their, in their conclusions, in the contrasting con- conclusions, uh, and, and that is where it sits. Um, so I'm, I'm afraid the, uh, the, the, those who are trying to stir this up uh, are having ultimately can have no success uh, because uh, no police action was taken, no breach of the law was found to take place in, in, in the case of Keir Starmer. 
Well, Andy, you remember that initially the net, the Met were not going to uh, take any action in the case of the Prime Minister either. Now, the rules at the time stated that indoor gatherings were only legal if reasonably necessary for a campaign. Do you think that uh, a beer and a curry, allegedly with quite a lot of colleagues, passes that test? Well, I, I think we've, we've all got to eat and drink. Uh, I think you do, I do. Um, I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, and I know what campaigns are like, um, that you, if you're, you're working away. And the leader of the opposition is just on the move, as the Prime Minister is at all times. But if he's about his work, he's not having... Um, uh, 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 he's not on holiday or, or having entertainment whilst he's going about the country campaigning. He's at work. Um, so I, I think it's pretty clear. I know there's a great... Um, desire to try to stir this up opposite, you know, the, uh, what's happened in down in One Street, where you know f- how many fifty fines in, uh, imposed, uh, the, the the criminal hotspot of the United Kingdom in terms of coronavirus uh, regulation breaches. Um, I understand the desire to distract and divert people away from that, but we've got a prime minister who who broke the law and lied about it, um, which is pretty dreadful for us as a country, uh, and, different- and people know that. And different to a meeting in a workplace where uh, where a birthday cake comes in. Well, um, I think there's, there's there's more than 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 the, the one uh, uh, birthday cake celebration. There are there are others where Boris Johnson was was present. We're yet to understand the the conclusions of that inquiry because the police have decided to not uh, to, to to announce what they're doing uh, during the currency of these local election campaigns. Um, um, so um, there's a huge difference mm. between the two the two cases, no matter how people try to uh, draw comparisons, it just simply doesn't wash. OK, let's talk about the local elections then. You're reading mm-hmm. on the doorstep of the mood of the nation. What are people voting on in your view? Is it on inflation, on taxes, on local issues alone? What's the mood out there? Well, um, there are local elections. So um, uh, local issues obviously mm. obtain in every every particular circumstance. But the overwhelming issue is the cost of living crisis. Um, that is the thing that worries people um, the greatest. And, and as we saw from that interview um, yesterday, um, I think there's a general feeling above when I speak to people that there's just there's a lack of understanding of just how difficult this is becoming for people, especially opposite issues around fuel bills and the like. Because um, uh, we heard about Elsie travelling around on the bus in, in in London to keep her bills down, only to be told by the Prime Minister she she should be grateful for the Freedom Pass that he brought in. Um, it just shows you how detached and out of out of touch. But the reality is this, currently, in my constituency. Uh, people in their homes this coming winter, if those continue to rise with any further, without any further amelioration of the impact upon them, people will be dying of hypothermia in their own homes in the in the next winter in the United Kingdom. That's what's going to happen. We do have people who die in their own homes now. Those numbers will increase as a result of the failure to address this. And there is a, an option, and everybody knows it. We can impose a windfall tax on oil and gas companies. That is available to us. It's been done before. Yeah. Nigel Lawson But hang on, that fox surely ago. has been shot, has it not? BP have effectively taken the wind out of the sails of that argument because they promised to invest in the UK £18 billion in order to sort of uh, help I, with energy security think, yeah. and, uh, yeah, energy security for Britain. Mm. 
No, I don't think it has, because the boss of BP has said that they will continue to invest. They'll be able to continue with investment. Uh, regardless of a windfall tax that was imposed, so I rather think the 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 the, the fox that's been shot is the is the claim that this would um, uh, put an end to investment. I think if the boss of BP is telling us that it won't, I, I, th- I think we can be assured that investment will continue apace. And I've got BP here in my uh, part of the world investing in in, in green technologies. Um, so. Um, and that's going to continue regardless. But we've got a crisis, um, and it's going to result in UK citizens dying if we don't address it. So it is in- incredibly urgent, and none of these decisions are easy to do. But you've got to you've got to put things in the balance and choose uh, the best response to this terrible crisis that we're facing. People are hurting, and we've got to. If, what's the purpose of government if it doesn't respond to the needs of its people? And I want to ask you about housing policy. The Tories' right to buy policy was very popular with council, council tenants in the 1980s. Do you think that Boris Johnson's plans for housing association tenants to be able to buy their homes will prove a vote winner in the north? I, I'm not sure how it will play out in terms of if electoral appeal. Um, I fear that it's not thought through. It appears to be eye-catching. The whole right to buy a program, people, it, it, those who would support it would say, well, very, uh, a, a, a very attractive uh, proposition. Um, maybe, but as long as you continue to build at a greater rate than the, the ones that are being bought and taken out of the stock, there are lessons to be learned from the right to buy program. Um, and you know, what's happened is a lot of people got into difficulties, had to sell their homes, they became private uh, letting uh, dwellings. Um, you know, are we going to apply the same regime to private uh, lettings? Uh, where where does it where does this end up? So I'm I'm not convinced that it's the the number one issue uh, for people mm. in housing association tenancies. I rather think it's keeping body and soul together at the moment, um, mm. rather than uh, their ambitions around owning the home in which they currently live. Okay, and and you can understand why that is um, such a big worry for Britain. The British Retail Consortium talking about shop price inflation at two point seven percent in April versus, you know, uh, mm. on an annualised basis. The cost of food up three and a half percent, and it's having a broad impact. I mean, there's furniture, electrical goods, books, everything is going up. And if you add that to the energy crisis, I mean, the, the government cannot really resolve, surely, this kind of, of squeeze on, on household incomes. As you say, it's the biggest since the 50s. How much can the mm. government really do? Well, that's its job. Um, uh, it, it, it is to respond uh, and address the needs of, of the people. And if it can't do that, then you know, it's really got to ask itself, what on earth is it doing in, in power? It's got to have the ability uh, to, to respond to people's uh, needs and if it if it if it requires a, a, a look at the uh, 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 fiscal strategy, then so be it. If we have to look at uh, ways of uh, of raising money, such as through windfall taxes and others, to redistribute and help people who are in these dire circumstances, that's the purpose of government. And if it it, it seems to want to rely upon strict protocols and measures, for example around the rising of, uh, uh, of benefits and pensions, fixing at a rate of 3.1% from months back, whereas inflation is raging away. 
cancelling the triple lock uh, when it, it, it was proving uncomfortable and ditching those promises that they made when they when they put themselves before the electorate. Uh, these are the things that matter, and the government should be responding to people's dire circumstances now, to Elsie and everybody else who finds themselves in difficulty. That's why they're there, and they're not doing it. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial Advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Well, Prime Minister Boris Johnson has appeared to rule out a windfall tax on energy companies after BP promised to channel billions of pounds of its profits into UK investments. BP said that its first quarter net income, excluding accounting charges related to Russia, more than doubled to more than 6.25 billion US dollars last quarter. That's about five billion pounds, and it's the highest in more than a decade. Well, Labour leader Keir Starmer said that those earnings reinforce the case for a one-off tax, whilst the Independent reports that Greenpeace UK calls for a windfall tax to help insulate Britain's homes. Well, joining us now to discuss this is Bloomberg's oil and gas companies reporter, Laura Hurst. Laura, thanks so much for joining us on Bloomberg Westminster. Now, this debate has been uh, uh, raging for many weeks uh, in the UK. Just talk us through what this would mean uh, for the big oil companies uh, in, in the UK. Well, so basically what we're seeing, all the big oil companies reporting these huge uh, quarterly results, the reality is the bulk of those results don't actually happen, don't come from their UK businesses. So it's a little bit misleading to look at the overall uh, profit, adjusted profits they're making, um, because that's actually not what you would end up taxing in the end. It's a much, much smaller figure. Um, But nevertheless, they will come under fire because these profits keep on rising and rising at a time where, of course, the cost of living crisis is soaring in the UK and energy prices are on the rise. So it's no surprise that these calls have intensified once again this, this reporting season. And just talk us through um, some, of the, some of the politics of it as well. It's a, it's a pretty tricky issue, isn't it? Well, exactly. There's been sort of uh, messages on both sides of the spectrum. Unsurprisingly, Labour have been coming out. We saw Ed Miliband kissed armour saying, look, energy bills are rocketing and still these companies are making billions. We need to tax them. 
Uh, as you said, Johnson, on the other hand, is saying, no, this isn't good for investment. But one other thing that has happened is that Kwasi Kwarteng, the business secretary, has been in contact with all the all of the producers saying, look, we're going to support you. We're going to remove obstacles uh, for you to produce more oil and gas. But in return, we need to sh- we need you to show us how you're reinvesting those profits into the North mm. Sea. Make sure it's, it's a fair deal. Well, do you think BP and, and the other oil majors are getting a little bit wiser? I mean, it's, it's decades that this idea has been around of windfall, of windfall taxes. And BP coming out with this idea of £18 billion of investment towards the UK's energy security. I mean, uh, the companies are getting wise to the political argument and, and sort of making their own case, are they, are they not? Oh, absolutely. You know, if you if you look at the tone of Bernard Looney, BP's CEO, um, his tone over the latest quarterly results is very different. Last year, he was talking about BP being a cash machine and how much money it was generating. This quarter, he was much more subdued and he came prepared, as he said. He mm. came out with a statement saying that they're going to invest billions of pounds into the UK energy system. And he also said, look, you know, the, these aren't faceless institutions that are, are getting these uh, these buybacks and dividends from us. Actually, it's just ordinary pensioners like you mm. and I, um, and, and this is actually something that benefits everyone. So he definitely came a lot more prepared this time around. There have been windfall taxes, of course, uh, in the UK before, so there is a bit of precedent on this. In terms of investment, what, what's the evidence as to whether it would really damage investment? Because these companies are making oodles of cash, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, as I say, um, they won't be getting taxed as much as it seems if you look at the headline. But you, you know, the UK wouldn't uh, tax that 6.25 billion uh, uh, profit because that's their global business. So actually, the amount of tax that would that would hit them is much much smaller. So it probably wouldn't hurt them massively. But you know, they argue it's not good for confidence. It's not good for mm. investment in the sector. And and for those sort of smaller companies that are purely North Sea focused, then it might be a little bit more difficult. Great. Thank you so much for joining us. That's Bloomberg's uh, oil and gas companies reporter, Laura Hurst, on that issue of the uh, windfall tax, uh, much debated ahead of the uh, elections tomorrow. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about another huge issue. Over in the United States, the Supreme Court seems to be poised to strike down Roe versus Wade. That, according to a leaked document, the Vice President Kamala Harris has accused Republicans in America of attacking women's rights. Bloomberg opinion columnist Therese Raphael is with us this morning to discuss. Um, Therese, this is is so huge, really, and important in terms of women's rights, women's health, the politics, global issues – I mean, first of all, just on the idea that Roe v. Wade could be overturned, the politics in America is is enormous on this. Is it going to affect the midterms? What is the thinking? I think it affects everything. And we're likely to hear abortion at the center of almost every political conversation, um, local politics, state politics, everything pretty much you know, but uh, the Supreme Court, uh, which is basically, if this leaked document uh, holds, handing the decision back to the states. Um, Now, we know 70% of Americans, nearly 70% in a recent CNN poll, support uh, upholding the 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade to give, uh, allow women um, the right to choose. But, you know, it's really hard to say how this factors into the midterm election because of those, so only about 20% say that they would vote for a candidate based 
uh, on their position on the abortion issue. So we don't know exactly how that's going to feed over. But the the, the Democrats have been flagging uh, you know, very badly. Uh, many are frustrated that there's no clear issue that they're running on, uh, that the cost of living inflation uh, increases have become the dominant theme. So in some ways, this gives the Democrats, um, you know, a, 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 something to run on because they can say, look, you know, elect Democrats and we will prevent um, you know, Roe v. The, the the Supreme Court decision from taking away abortion rights at the state level, and we know that for particularly for many uh, suburban women, this is a huge issue, and they tend to turn out to vote. So I do think it will have a an impact, um, you know, on the midterms. But it's, uh, you know, it's the kind of decision that you know the ramifications are so difficult to. Uh, you know, really imagine right now because it's, you know, it will also have implications for how people view the Supreme Court, uh, you know, simply because, you know, in 1973, a decision was made to, you know, find this this right within the Constitution. Now, uh, you know, the opposite decision would be made. And I think many, many people, including, you know, the late great Ruth Bader Ginsburg, thought that the Roe v. Wade decision was bad jurisprudence, but overturning it may also be uh, considered very dubious jurisprudence. Now, Therese, the, the, the health and the quality implications of this are, are, are huge, aren't they? Um, plenty of research to suggest that the ability to access safe abortions is, is what keeps uh, many American women from falling into poverty. Just talk us through so, some, some, of the, some of the big implications of this. Yeah, so I mean, there are two sort of strands to this. And one is health inequality in the US and the other is our economic inequalities. And of course, they're related. Um, the US maternity, maternal mortality rate is the worst of wealthy nations, about 14 deaths per 100,000 live births. Um, we know that US women have the highest rate of chronic disease. Um, they're 38% of US women skip medical care because of cost compared to 5% in the UK. And this burden falls disproportionately on uh, poor women. Now, if we look at those who tend to seek abortions, uh, they are overwhelmingly uh, in their 20s, um, nearly half or maybe it's more than half, I need to check the statistics on that, already have a child. Um, it is nearly half that live below the poverty line. Um, and, you know, access to abortion is associated with, uh, you know, women going on to to uh, higher education, to complete degrees, to uh, better financial outcomes. Mm. So there are both health issues and economic uh, inequality issues. And the states that are... Uh, already adopting this, these trigger laws, legislation that would ban abortion if, if Roe v. Wade is overturned, tend to be the states with, you know, high levels of, of health inequality and, you know, particularly where um, poor women um, are, you know, possibly more likely to seek abortion. So, you know, for example, in Mississippi, which is at the heart of this case, maternal mortality rates are, the, are higher than the U.S. national average. Black women are three times more likely to die of pregnancy-related causes. So, you know, as this goes back to the states to determine the sort of, um, you know, what comes next after mm -hmm. after the, the Supreme Court makes their decision, I think there's going to be a huge debate to be had over what kinds of laws will help protect women, you know, in childbirth, post-childbirth. Um, and, you know, th that's a debate we just, you know, yeah. really haven't seen to, uh, you know, anything like the degree that we, uh, that it's settled in, say, Europe or the UK. 
Um, yes, although um, there are going to be implications, surely, for Europe too. I mean, um, Northern Ireland, Mexico, they are going in the opposite direction of sort of liberalising uh, when it comes to abortion rights and women's rights. What America does in terms of leadership, but also financing, because the US, you know, uh, sends a lot of um, aid dollars abroad, this is going to have global implications. Yeah, I think you're right. I think those are the two ways that this feeds through into global debate. Um, The first being sort of how it affects anti-abortion movements in other countries. I I still think this is likely to be, you know, subtler, but, you know, uh, not something we can discount because even though, you know, Ireland, um, uh, Poland, other areas have changed their abortion laws over the years, that doesn't mean that access to abortion has necessarily become much easier. There's still um, there there's still barriers, and so there could be uh, debates and, and changes on the margin that reduce women's access to uh, to abortion. Um, and as you mentioned, the uh, effect in terms of funding for family and reproductive health, the U.S. Yes. funds it to yep. that to the tune of about six hundred million a year. Donald Trump famously uh, suspended funding for the UN Population Fund, which does a lot of that work, and so there will be debates in Congress over that funding, and that will have implications for reproductive health globally. Bloomberg Westminster. Listen weekdays at noon on DAB Digital Radio in London. Hi, I'm Ron Kraszewski, Chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, let's face it, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing, entrepreneurial, advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. There's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.